After the Virus, Episode 14. Glad you could join me. Rabies in wildlife is most often spread by foxes. You can hear them in the meadow in episode 13. While more commonly found in domesticated dogs, numerous records exist of outbreaks in the wild. Will and Hope have been wise, so far, to steer clear of the diseased animals. When we last heard from Will and Hope, a bobcat was trying to steal their meal. Just as we started to congratulate ourselves and anticipate the taste of fresh meat, a large bobcat leapt from out of nowhere, pouncing on the twitching bird. Shocked, but unwilling to give up our prize, Will whispered, Shoot it in the head! Which I did. The big cat dropped like a stone. Shaking with excitement, I said, Double the meat! To which Will dryly replied, No meat. We can't safely eat the cat. And now that he's sunk his teeth into the bird, we can't eat that either. We sat there for a while, thinking about how difficult our existence had become in a short time, then walked back the way we came. The sapsuckers were still in the dead tree, and a thought occurred to me. Chicks, I said. We both looked hopefully at the hole the birds were coming in and out of. Using Will for a boost, I climbed the tree, much to the distress of the adult sapsuckers. Using my sheath knife... I widened the hole until I could get my whole hand in it, then pushed downwards until I touched the bony bodies of five young sapsuckers. I plucked them out one by one and dropped them to Will, except for one which I left to pacify the poor parents. We carried them back to the cave where, along with some greens we picked in a can of corn kernels, they became the basis for our tasty sapsuckers stew. August 28th. Again today we went out to find meat. To save bullets and arrows, I brought the powerful slingshot along and spent the first half hour slinging small stones at a knot on a down log. By the end, I was consistently hitting within inches of the center. So we went to the edge of the trees and Will made a variety of bird-type squeaks and squeals. First to investigate were the ever-curious Stellar's Jays, and I hit the first one I shot at, dropping it to the ground and stunned it. Before it could regain its senses, Will grabbed it and wrung its neck. A great start. Over the course of the morning, we procured another three birds. Not a lot of meat, but any protein helps at this point. We skinned a lot of cambium off the pine trees by ripping off the bark and then scraping the thin, rubbery skin off the wood. We chewed it like gum as we continued to harvest. We found a patch of dandelions and were processing them for their edible parts when Will motioned for me to be still and pointed. Twenty feet away was a large blue grouse. Reaching into my pocket for a stone, I took aim and made a direct hit on the bird who fell over sideways and flapped before we rushed to retrieve it. We now had meat for several days. September 1st. The last few days have been filled with gathering any and all kinds and types of food. Pine needles, pine nuts, pine cambium, grasshoppers and grubs and more birds. It is difficult to collect enough of the limited fare within a safe distance from our dwelling, and the birds are growing wise to us. We turn most of what we get into soups and stews to stretch it into more filling meals, but we must still supplement it with some of our canned goods. 
our supply of which gets a little smaller each day. Despite all of this, we are skin and bones. Most of the mammal activity continues to take place in the meadow below us, and we have watched all kinds of strange goings-on before our upslope viewpoint. Deers, coyotes, and bears have all been showing signs of madness. Closer to us, the squirrels and the marmots too have become deranged, but we have managed to keep them all at bay. September 2nd. Had a horrific experience last night with a bear, from which we are still dealing with the consequences. We had just gotten into our sleeping bags when the heavy huffing of a bear could be heard just outside. At first we thought it would go away, but soon it started scraping at the door. Will grabbed a large knife and I propped the 30-30 on my knees, aimed towards the door. Then we yelled and screamed, hoping to frighten it away. The bear only seemed to become more agitated. We could hear its long claws scraping under the door. Then suddenly, there was a loud crack and the door shattered. In the dim light, we could see the bear's massive silhouette in the doorway, and I began firing, unloading the rifle into the shadowy form. Seeming to ignore the shots, the bear kept coming. Will charged forward with the knife, stabbing and slashing as the bear came towards me. I kicked and clawed backwards to get away, but only had about three feet to the back of the cave. I felt the bear claw at my legs, then he collapsed on me. In the dark, I could feel the warmth of his blood seeping into my sleeping bag. There was a long pause. Then Will panted. Are you okay? I exclaimed that I thought I was, but I wasn't sure. Will plunged the knife into the bear's lifeless body several more times as I wriggled to get free of the bear's bulk on my lower body. My legs were so covered in bear blood, it was hard to tell at first if I was bleeding. But after pouring some water onto my shins, we could see a number of long, deep gouges on both legs. As soon as I saw them, they began to hurt and throb. The bleeding was not too heavy as they were already clotting. Before doing anything else, Will cleaned them thoroughly and we applied antiseptic we had gotten from the cabin. Then Will and I together dragged the heavy bear out of the ruined opening. And the beam of the flashlight, it was clear from the bear's pulverized face that all six of my shots had caught him right in the head. He was large-framed but ragged-looking, with large patches of missing hair. We spent the next hour piling rocks, sticks, and whatever else we could find to block the opening. Then we cleaned up the interior as much as possible, sweeping sand and dirt over the large areas of blood. It was midnight by the time we were finished. Then we lay there, recounting the experiences and debating all of the details. The gashes on my leg throbbed and the adrenaline continued to keep my heart pumping. I'm sure we didn't sleep until 3 a.m., I slept fitfully until about 7 a.m., woke to find Will examining my wounds. I had been gashed by the bear's claws and had been exposed to its blood. Will had not been cut, but he had had physical contact with the bear and had gotten lots of blood on him. We had no way of knowing if one or both of us might catch whatever it was that had been affecting all of the mammals in the area. Will cleaned my wounds repeatedly throughout the day. We were both physically and mentally exhausted and in no mood to hunt, so we stayed at the cave and ate canned food. 
Will ventured outside to roll the bear's carcass down the slope away from the cave, then collected some herbs to apply to my wounds. I'm tired and not very hungry. Will makes me eat. September 3rd. Will here. Hope is sweating, alternating chills and fever. Changed dressing four times. Fed her boiled grouse broth. September 4th. Alternating chills and fever. Regular broth and water. Vomits numerous times. September 5th. In and out of consciousness. Incoherent. Force her to drink. Legs swollen, hot, and red. September 6th. Force liquid. Must supplement food. September 7th. Unconscious. Thin. Change and wash her. September 8th. Lots of dead animals in the meadow. Large number of vultures. Conscious on and off. Mumbling. September 9th. Very pale and emaciated. Force more broth down. September 10th. Angry and disoriented. Good. Very weak. September 11th. Fever gone. Legs look better. Sleeps comfortably. Drinks lots of water. September 12th. Opens eyes. Looks around. September 13th. Opens eyes. Tries to sit up. Too weak. Lots of water and broth. September 14th. Talks, understands, very tired and weak, force lots of broth. September 15th, drinking on her own, noticeably more energetic, better color, introduce solids into the broth, must get more food. September 16th, I went to the creek, 20 trout, cook some, dry some, hope eats trout soup heartily. September 17th, better, more trout soup and canned veggies. September 18th, it's me, Hope. I'm well enough to sit and write. Will has nursed me for over two weeks. We think that the wounds were infected by the bear's claws, which made me ill. Whether or not the rabies-like disease affected all of the other animals in the area can't be passed to humans, or some other factor is at work. It appears that my reaction was based on a less deadly type of infection. Will is out foraging, still very weary, going to sleep. September 19th. Thunderstorm today. We stay under cover. Will says we have depleted our food store substantially. He wants to make a trip to the cabin for the remaining food as soon as I am able to accompany him as backup. We will try to go tomorrow. September 20th. Started for the cabin, but I was winded within a couple hundred yards, so we turned back. Ate heartily this evening. September 21st. Another day of eating, drinking, and recuperating. Little left in the way of food. Must go to the cabin tomorrow. September 22nd. We left early for the cabin and encountered no unusual animal activity, but see many rotting carcasses. 
We stopped at the creek. I had brought some filthy, bloody clothes which we had washed quickly. Then we stripped and bathed, washed the clothes we were wearing, then hung some to dry and wore the rest damp. Fortunately, it was a warm September day. Arriving at the cabin, we were surprised and alarmed to find that it has been visited by others. One of the vehicles had been moved and we could see the tire tracks in the dried mud. We discussed just returning to our cave, but the fear of being without food made us wait and watch instead. We sat at the edge of the woods, watching and listening for about two hours, and decided that no one was inside. Once again, we approached with caution. Hiding behind an old building, Will threw a few stones at the metal roof of the building. The loud, metallic clang of the rocks failed to generate any activity, so we moved to the front door. The house was tidy, but changed. Furniture moved, windows boarded, different jackets hung on hooks. Our priority was food, and we wanted to get out as quickly as possible. We went to the kitchen, where the drawers were almost empty, but we grabbed the few remaining cans and boxes. We checked the pantry, the same. We filled our packs with what was there. Condiments, spices, flour. Suddenly, Will grabbed me and froze. Car coming, he whispered. I didn't hear it, and I didn't need to. We threw on our packs spun on our heels, and ran for the back door. We made it to the last outbuilding just as a jeep pulled up to the house. Hiding behind the shed, we could hear the cabin's door slam, and we were off, bounding across the open meadow as fast as we could. In less than a minute, we heard a man yelling and the sounds of commotion behind us. We dropped into the tall grass and crawled towards the creek. A gun went off behind us, but it didn't sound like it was aimed towards us. We heard the jeep start and the tires crunching gravel. We crawled faster. We scrambled across the rocks and slipped into the creek, then grabbed the clothes we left on the opposite bank. Shielded from view by the creek front grove of trees, we rose and ran. I felt weak and had to stop often. After ten minutes, we began to climb towards our cave. I was dead tired and Will carried my pack the remaining distance. Arriving at the cave, we collapsed. From all the way across the valley, we could make out sounds. The first human-made voice we have heard since we arrived here. September 23rd. In the night, we thought we saw lights coursing through the trees across the valley, and what may have been the hum and whine of an engine. In the morning, I was so exhausted from yesterday's exertion that I lay and dozed until midday. Will spent the morning investigating last night's activity. What he found were jeep tracks throughout the meadow between the cabin and the creek. Clearly the person we saw yesterday was out searching for us in the night. Fortunately, Will also took the time to catch another big stringer of trout. Afraid that a fire might give us away, we feasted on trout ceviche, cured with the lemon juice we took from the cabin and spiced with ketchup, mustard, and crushed red chili pepper. In the middle of the night, we started a small fire to dry out the remaining trout for later consumption. September 24th. Today we set out many bird snares and traps, then took the slingshot and hunted in the rocky cliffs above the cave. Will took the gun in case of emergency. There is still a weird absence of mammals. Normally we would see marmots in the rocks, but nothing with fur moved. It was hard for Will to climb the rocks and hold the rifle, so he kept the easiest route. 
we came upon another blue grouse. Not the smartest of birds. It let me shoot three stones at it before I finally connected on the fourth shot. The big bird will provide us with a couple of meals in the coming days. As we sat on the rocks above the cave, we heard, then saw across the valley, the jeep driving along the road that bordered the meadow. Slowly it crawled, stopping from time to time, as if searching. September 25th. I woke up to Will shaking me. Get up! He's on this side of the creek! Thanks again for the pleasure of your company. Don't forget to order your own copy of the ebook or paperback at Amazon.com.